When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bradham Jr., the chief of uh, Michigan State Twitter, and I would say I would say probably Michigan State Media, as you as you uh, filter your way eventually into uh, Blue Sky and and uh, and Instagram, probably. Um, this episode is brought to you by Smith Workforce Management Group. Whoever Blue Air decides to put in, uh, Bird Dog Shorts, and uh, whoever else. So uh, before we get started with a, a preview of uh, the Michigan State football team, uh, Brett, how you doing? I'm I'm doing excellent. We're we're a week out from the season. It's been a very long off season. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that, but yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm doing great. Excited for football to be back and kind of all the off season nonsense to be put to rest. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I do want to say in light of, uh, of the off season being sort of coming to a close, um, we are, we are due for one more uh, kick in the nuts tomorrow. We are as a recording, <laughs> we are recording on the 25th. Uh, we have one more kick in the nuts for this off season. And then we're done. Right. Like I, I, I appreciate a uh, dear listener. If you don't know, David Stone, a uh, five-star recruit will be announcing tomorrow by all accounts. He will be uh, choosing not Michigan state. Um, but he did it right. Like the Saturday before game week. So like we, it, it, it at, as soon as he makes that announcement, we're into game week. It's fine. We're, we're into 2023. Um, yeah, which will be fun. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, it'll be good. Um, so anyways, so Brett, let's, um, obviously a lot has gone on over the last, um, you know, eight months, nine months because, you know, no bowl game. Um, some of that was sort of, uh, cut by the fact that basketball team is delightful and we love them, but it's, it's, it was not a great season last year. Um, and two of the biggest names, if not the best players, uh, left in the transfer portal. So. Um, as much as we we appreciate uh, Peyton Thorne for everything he did, and as much as uh, Keon Coleman probably shouldn't go on podcasts and talk about things, um, you know, <laughs> out with the old, in with the new. Um, so obviously the thing that everybody wants, you know, that, that everybody talks about more than Kim, Peyton Hauser, and Sam Levitt. I mean, let's uh, let's actually talk about Sam Levitt, who's not, who's not going to win this. But... Um, are you surprised at the amount that he's getting talked about by by Coach Tucker and and the staff? You know what? I I slightly am, and that's not a knock on him. I I think incredibly highly of Sam, and I think you, you watch some of his film and you just hear coaches and his teammates talk about him. It's like, okay, this kid is legit. But the fact that he's only been here what two months and he seemingly made somewhat of a push to be the starting quarterback at Michigan State. Um, I think that potentially might be the most exciting thing that's happened uh, throughout fall camp and even 
since the season ended. It's the fact that you were able to flip this kid at the last minute. Um, and it seems he has the tools, the pedigree, the personality for sure. I, I actually, um, ran into him one time and <laughs> incredibly nice kid, like, and very confident. That's the thing. It's, it doesn't come off cocky. It just, it's pure confidence and he's got a swagger to him. So yeah, he's, he's definitely legitimate player here. Yeah, a name for the future for sure. Um, but yeah. I, I think I think we would both be very shocked if he if he takes really more than five, ten snaps this year. Um, because you you've got Hauser and you've got Kim. Um we have not heard uh a, a named starting quarterback. Um, but friend of the pod, uh Justin Th- and game out with a ape snap against uh Central. So, uh, Brett, is that is that what you're hearing, or or even beyond that, how do you feel about the quarterbacks? Who do you think gives Michigan State the best sort of uh, the best opportunity to be successful? Yeah, it's kind of a multi layered question. So I'm, I'm gonna do my best to kind of uh, relay my thoughts on it. It's I, one I I don't know what, like what Justin said in terms of him taking the first snap. I have no reason not to believe his his intel on this i i haven't heard myself um who potentially could start but it it is kim i think it's um an interesting decision and that's not a knock on noah kim like we've seen him in in games and he's performed at a high level but at the same point it's at the same time it's like okay you're going into year four and you're potentially going to start a third mark d'antonio quarterback and at, at what point do fans and donors and students and teammates and players start to kind of ask, okay, when, when is Mel going to be able to get his own guy in here? I think that's a fair question to ask. And for me, if, if the competition's anywhere close in terms of production and uh, practices, scrimmages, I say you just give it to the young kid and just let him go learn because it's not a situation where if, if you lose Noah Kim at the end of the year to the graduation transfer portal that the cupboards bear, it sounds like Sam Levitt's making a legitimate push to potentially be the starter next year, no matter who wins the job this year. So um, I, to me, it, it's an easy decision. I'm obviously biased towards Kate Hauser, but um, I, I just think there's a lot more upside there. What do you think? So, yeah, so I, I, I was on the, the Bacon Wire podcast. Um, on Wednesday, I uh, I don't actually know if it's dropped yet. So I think that the the answer to the question of who gives you the best opportunity to win um, this year, right, against Washington, because that's really what we're talking about here, right? The the first early season test is Washington, and I think the answer actually has very little to do with the quarterbacks themselves. I think that the answer has a ton to do with how good the wide receivers are and how good the running game is, and the wide receivers can get separation. It's Kate and Hauser and it's not close because you don't need the quarterback run game, right? If Nathan Carter is putting up a thousand yards in the first eight games and Montori Foster and Trey Mosley and, you know, whoever else, Malik Carr, the, the, all of the pass catchers are able to get open either through scheme or through talent. Um, then you want the guy with the pinpoint accuracy and huge arm. But if the running games not need the guy who, who coaches have said is a top 20, um, speed guy, which is no Kim. Um, so I think that really, if, if Nathan Carter is as good as advertised, 
if Malik Carr has really turned the corner and if the offensive line is bulldozing, it's, it's Hauser. And I think it's Hauser sort of with a bullet. Um, but we won't know that until probably, you know, what, what, nine o'clock on Friday, we'll have a pretty good sense of, of what that is going to be. Um, so that, that's, that's my view on it. Um, obviously I'm going to support whoever's, whoever's taking the snaps, uh, regardless, but I think, I think for the health of the program, I really hope it's Hauser because it means everything else is falling into place. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's a huge thing. And obviously we're not in the building. We're not seeing practices and all this film and work that the quarterbacks are putting in, but from just a fan standpoint, I think the excitement level goes from, okay, we, we could potentially have a, a solid team this year to if Caden Hauser is the guy, that means the development of Mel Tucker's players, like the coaches are doing their jobs. They're getting these young, talented guys um, ready for action. And uh, we might talk about this later, but even yesterday when the Graham Couch article dropped and Coach Tucker says, yeah, I need we need more NIL money to get better players. Um, my first reaction to that was, okay, you've recruited very good players like Caten Hauser, like all these, uh, by Job, all these talented freshmen. If you're not going to play them, why do you need NIL? So I think that's that to me, that is kind of how I reacted to that. And that it's all optics and how we feel about the quarterback right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think, I think that, that really the, the, the question here is, um, how, how, how everything else, think everything sort of flows out from there, right? Jalen Berger and, and Nathan Carter and, um, and Jay, you know, Jaron Mangum can be great, but if the offensive line isn't opening up holes or protecting, then, you know, whatever. And this is where I'm actually very, very excited. Um, so uh, across the front line, it's likely, likely, I guess, going to be the, uh, Baldwin, Baldwin, uh, Duplain, Samak, uh, Vandemark, and I, I guess Spencer Brown. I'm not sure if that's going to be a thing or, 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 or what, but. I'm very excited about the interior of this offensive line. The tackles, I think, will be fine for sort of structural reasons. But it's weird to be as excited as I am about two guards and, and a center. But Duplain Samak and Vandermark is it like a great example of what you're talking about. The sort of you've had four years with these guys. Um, obviously, Duplain and Samak were D'Antonio guys, but Vandermark was probably, if not the first, then certainly one of the earliest sort of recruiting wins for Mel Tucker and to see him sort of take the starting position really late last year, but, but even into this year, um, it's a great sign. And obviously the tackles I think will, will be fine, but, but what are you hearing about the offensive line? How do you feel about it going into this year? So it sounds like the offensive line has a lot of depth. And I think that's a word that's going to get used a lot this year. And I think it's probably the most encouraging thing you've heard out of camp. It's the fact that the offensive line, like in 2021, they were able to do basically hockey line changes where you would see them have one group out for one series, the next group, the next series is a completely different group. So I, I think there, there's pros and cons of that, but especially with some of these positions, like, uh, it's the right tackle. You hear a name like Ethan Boyd, who was in the same class as Vandermark. Like he's making a push to be a starter. You hear, uh, Braden Miller. He's making a push to get some playing time. Uh, Kevin Wigginton. So you have all these coach Dan, uh, coach, uh, <laughs> coach Tucker recruits and players that are starting to kind of get to that level and offensive line. I mean, it's not, it's very difficult for those guys to come in and play from day one. They, they have to grow into men before they can really play the offensive line. It's, it's so much development and, and whatnot, but 
No, I, I agree with you. It's a, if, if you get that unit to be, I'm not, I'm not asking them to win the Joe Moore award here, but if you can have them be a top five unit in the big 10 East, uh, you're going to win a lot of football games. And <laughs> if they exceed those expectations and you develop these young guys and you get a Stanton Ramble on there to play, you get a Cole Dellinger on there to play, uh, and, and you get these guys experience, like it just raises the feeling for what we can do this year, as well as obviously you look into 2024, uh, that's kind of the year we've all kind of circled on our calendar is the year that we really need to see results. So to me, this year is kind of building towards that. It's not, that's not an excuse or not, not punting on the year, but uh, I, I think it's important to lay the groundwork. And I think the offensive line and the development of these young guys like Vandermark, I think you pointing that out, it's huge. He was really the first big time recruit under coach Tucker. And it's time to see like results now. Absolutely. Um, but like you said, I mean, Ethan Boyd um, pushing Spencer Brown is is great news. Um, Keyshawn Blackstock uh, and and Brandon Baldwin fighting over the left tackle spot. Great. Um, yep. Blackstock was 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 brought in and as a huge recruit. And for Brandon Baldwin, who, who's he's got a great story. We don't really have time to get into it. But like this is basically his second year playing organized football ever um, or third year. Um, and for him to be in this situation, he's, there's a ton of room to grow. Um, and I think, I think that that's gonna, that's gonna be huge because it's not just that, that group that I talked about, Vandermark and, and tackles. We can mention that Chris Phillips, who's huge and, and a great, uh, option on the interior. Um, Dallas Fincher is getting very nice reviews. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent in the offensive line room and it's, healthy for the first time seemingly ever, although Nick Samak is, is apparently uh, dinged up a little bit. Um, so I think that, that that brings us to Malik Carr, which I think if you had to name one person who could change the trajectory of this team single-handedly, simply by, by, by focus, Malik Carr is the guy. Because Malik Carr is the type of guy who, you know, if, if Malik Carr blocked the way that people say that he can, He's what, ninety percent of Brock Bowers, right? Like athletically, schematically, like he can do everything. So, are are you excited for Malik Carr, or are you looking at the rest of the tight end room and saying like, okay, we got to do this sort of collectively? No, I I, I think it's a Malik Carr show, and th- that's not a knock on the other tight ends. It's you look in that room and you see we brought in like I think like twenty transfers at tight end this off season. Yeah, it's insane. Um, then like obviously you have some of the recruits like Michael Masoon is from Arizona. You have a Jack Nickel from Georgia, and then Brennan Paracheck from Dexter. And these guys are they're coming along quickly. And I think Paracheck is potentially going to get some good playing time this year. And we'll, we'll see. But at the end of the day, it comes down to Malik Carr. Like uh, in, in my opinion, is no expert, but you look at him, he's six seven. he can run, he catches the ball well, and if, if he just puts together a little effort blocking, that's a day two NFL draft pick. And having that sort of weapon on offense, it, it can't be understated. You look at even Utah last year with Dalton Kincaid, and a guy like that just opens up so many things for your offense, and especially breaking in a new quarterback. I, I think that's going to be the key. It's the fact that you have this safety blanket, that goes over the middle. He's going to get open. He's not going to drop the ball. And it just, it, it's another option. And especially breaking in, especially like these wide receivers, like obviously Trey Mose has a ton of experience and 
Um, Atari Foster, he's been here for four years, but they don't have that huge uh, playing time on, under their belt. So having a Malik Carr, he's the key. Like if he performs to the standard that the coaches think he can, there's no reason he can't be up for awards, be in a day one, day two NFL draft pick and really helping transform this offense. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I'm I'm actually I'm I'm a big tight end guy and Jay Johnson allegedly is too. Um <laughs> but you'll note that the I say allegedly because apparently Daniel Barker was supposed to open up the playbook and he never got the ball. Whether that was because certain people refused to look over the middle, uh I can't comment. <laughs> Have fun Auburn fans. Um I mean I don't know why I would say that. That's that's has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Anyways, um the tight end who I'm most excited for is actually Jack Nickel. And he has not been getting a ton of hype and the bringing in of Tyneal Hopper uh, to be sort of the blocking tight end may, might sort of tamp this down. But Jack Nickel came in with the pedigree of best blocking tight end in his class. Um, he was committed to, I think, Notre Dame, who have uh, some experience with good tight ends. Um, he is the type of kid who... It, for for those of you who 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 maybe remember the the early D'Antonio era where he would just put an offensive lineman at tight end every year, um, Michael Dennis was the one who I can think of at this moment. Um, like you would give them like a number like eighty seven, and they would be a quote tight end, even though they were just another offensive lineman. If Jack Nickel can be as good, like Jack Nickel and Malik Carr both sort of have the same problem in reverse, right? Malik Carr needs to be a decent blocker, given how Nickel is the opposite. He is apparently an unreal blocker who just needs to be able to get out into the pattern and do a little, uh, do a few things. If you see Jack Nickel, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna call a shot right now. Um, if you see Jack Nickel with 200 yards and two touchdowns this year, it means that Michigan State was very, very successful because it means that he was able to get on the on the field. Um, and his blocking is is supposedly phenomenal. Um. And I think that the more we run 12 sets, um, you know, two tight end, one running back sets, I think the better off we'll be. Um, because Malik Carr is that sort of quasi wide receiver, quasi tight end, um, that can really make defenses sort of hesitate. Because if you put a linebacker on him, he'll dust them. If you put a safety on him, he'll box them out. Um, so hopefully, hopefully the, the, that aspect of it goes well because six, seven, two seventy, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty tough to deal with. Um, and hopefully that extra attention gives some more room for the, the wide receivers, you know, Brett, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, obviously Trey Mosley has been here forever, um, has made a lot of big catches. Montori Foster, we first, I mean, did we first see him in 2019? Am I forgetting? Am I, am I, am I remembering that wrong? That sounds right. I think, I think in 2019, like he came in as like basketball player who is now playing football, um, and has been around Han, you know, got dinged up. Um, but I think I think that realistically, um, there is a ton of talent at wide receiver. We just don't know what it looks like yet. Antonio Gates, four star. Um, Jerron Glover, huge reviews. Um, you know, going through it, who's who's the wide receiver other than the obvious, uh, Trey Mosley, who you think is going to be sort of solidify themselves either as as that wide receiver two or makes the jump to wide receiver one and, and keeps Mosley in that sort of move the chains possession receiver role. That's a really good question. I tend to lean towards Jerron Glover just because that's the name you hear the most about, but 
I'll go out on a limb, and this is no prediction, but I think because you just talked about like calling your shot with nickel, like if he gets 200 yards and a touchdown, that means the, the team is really good, and I agree with that. I think a similar case can be said if like Antonio Gates Jr. gets on the field and has a couple hundred yards, a couple touchdowns, that means you're starting to see him put it together. And I think his talent is something that, listen, it, it, the, the reason he can't see the field doesn't come down to talent. It comes down to some of the work ethic. Right. And if he can start to put that together, like, as uh, Mother Jordan once said, the, the ceiling is the roof. So um, <laughs> I, I think Antonio Kitts Jr. would be, ideally, if I got the pick, like, who got to come onto the scene, it, it would be him. So he was actually the, I, I don't know if you watched the the Big Ten Network um, uh, training camp thing. He was actually the first name out of, I want to say, Jay Johnson's mouth when he was talking about the wide receivers. Um, that can be meaningful or not, but I, I, I hear you. And also, like, for those of you who are sort of thinking, like, well, how do we know he's so talented? Look at the name. That that That's pedigree. Also, if he could do two. Uh, Will Johnson, what he did to Will Johnson in high school, uh, in college, that'd be great. We would appreciate that, Antonio. Um, so to round out the offense, um, I don't want to say Kenneth Walker the fourth, but Nathan Carter is being talked about like the way that Kenneth Walker was talked about. Um, and when we when they were talking about Kenneth Walker, we I think I personally I I took the Xavier Henderson tactics like is he this good or is our defense this bad um and he was this good they're talking about nathan carter the same way um so if jalen Berger is your second running back i think you're in really really good shape i'll completely agree and yeah I, th- I think it's interesting some of the parallels between carter and kenneth walker and obviously no one's going to predict that no one's going to be kenneth walker again like we're, we are never going to see that again in our lives it's just a once in a, it, it's truly like the Haley's Comet of running backs. But at the same time, like if you get a certain percentage of production from Nathan Carter <laughs> compared to Kenneth Walker, you're going to be really happy. And it, it sounds like he has that home run ability. He has the vision. He has the agility. And this is, and listen, you, you put up the pictures of what both of their bodies look like next to each other. And it's, it, it's like, it's freaky. It, it's like these guys were made in a lab. <laughs> Um, and the thing is, is that like, beyond that, that's not even mentioning Jalen Berger, who in the last, I, I want to say like last four games is averaging like six yards a carry. Um, and is a four-star running back who, who was starting at Wisconsin before some things went south there. Um, so I think that the running backs room is, is very talented. I'm very excited about that. Um, and I, I think that, like you said, like a certain percentage of production, right? If we can get, 2,000 yards on the ground this year, right? So across three running backs and a quarterback. I think that that's a really, really manageable and good goal, right? That, that's that's like 150, 120, not an unreasonable amount. And I think that's what we, we should be holding our, our standards to. Agreed. Yeah, I think and that that's a really good point. And that's a word I really like. It's I like standards and I like expectations. And to me as fans, like we need to keep those always kind of in the back of our mind. Like this is the standard at Michigan state. These are the expectations at Michigan state because the second we start to let those down, we accept a lower product. And I think that's something that we as fans, it's the one thing we can kind of control. And um, yeah, I think this, listen, coach Hecker says the standard is the standard. And 
That's just kind of the way it's going to be. And if you want high standards, you should probably buy bird dog shorts. You know, Greg, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I think the reason we have a lot of fun is because we both don't like to wear pants. Is that correct? I am a staunch advocate of never wearing pants. But you do have to wear something, right? Legally, when I go outside, yes. Uh, When I'm not outside, it's really up to interpretation. So I guess, like, the real question is, is there something that you could wear that, that makes you look good, but also looks vaguely, I don't know, acceptable in public? Well, you know, I've heard of these new things called bird dogs, which are neither birds nor dogs. We'll get to the Mm. false advertising later. But, uh, you know, they are stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, which gives me a truly sculpted look. So if I were to compare these to to maybe another brand uh, that I I don't know why we're we're mentioning actual trade names in an advertisement, but hey, that's what we were told to do. uh, What would you compare it to? Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing (laughs) as that brand that starts with an L and ends with lemon, but fit way better. I'm not going for copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get in trouble either. Um, what if, but, but, but could you compare them to, say, like, your normal everyday khaki shorts? Yeah, fuck cotton. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. <laughs> yeah, cotton's super restricting. That's what everybody says about it. Um, does bird dogs have any proprietary uh, technology, right? Everybody likes technology. Do they have anything new that they did? Yeah, they did a bunch of ketamine and came up with and <laughs> fixed this issue by invent- inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit. You guys can't do it, but I'm doing this, this slimmer fit. You can't see it without having to sacrifice any movement. Well, that's great. Um, Greg, do you like smelling like shit in your shorts? I <laughs> no, so I I try not to shart very hard, but just in case I do, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps me cool and dry all day long. Uh well, I guess, you know, if if I wanted to purchase a pair of these shorts that are neither birds nor dogs, what could I do? You should go to www.birddogs.com backslash pool. That's pool, P-O-O-L, like Liverpool, but, you know, better. And enter promo code, again, pool, P-O-O-L, for a free Yeti-style tumbler. Nope. <laughs> Your order. That's birddogs.com backslash pool for a free tumbler you you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you please 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 don't sue us we really don't have a lot of money so i think that when we should place to sort of go to the defense from because running back is a thing that michigan state has been successful with since michigan state has been successful i mean you can go back to you know when I was a kid, you know, it was Cedric Urban. That's TJ Duckett. Then it was, you know, DeAndre Cobb and J.U. Colcrick and Javon Ringer and Rock Baker and Le'Veon Bell. 
and Jeremy Langford and LJ Scott and like like the the and then and then and then um you know Michigan State has had very good running backs for basically the entirety of the time that Michigan State has been successful. Um another thing that they've had is good defensive tackles. Um it's like a you know I don't I don't like to hype up a certain website that uh is is focused on our rival. Um but I read what they write about Michigan State. And they have nothing but fear about Michigan State defensive tackles. They, the way they talked about Jacob Slade, the way they talked about Naquan Jones, uh, Raquan Williams. I mean, you can go back. Um, and last year, Jacob Slade, when Jacob Slade got hurt, it wasn't to the standard. Um, not saying anything bad about Derek Harmon or uh, Maverick Hansen or Jalen Hunt or Simeon Barrow, but 2022 versions of those guys, and some of those guys have moved on, um, was not good enough, um, both because of some transfers and also because of another year in the program. But defensive tackle, I think, makes or breaks this team. Um, and and the news guys coming in, Jarrett Jackson, Jalen Sammy, um, I'm missing one, Dre Butler. Um, and I will, we'll talk about sort of the crown jewel of the transfer portal with the edges, because I think that's where he belongs. But um, I'm very excited about the defensive tackles this year. Yeah, and that, that's something we lacked last year, the fact that we didn't have any bodies. So when, when Jacob Slade did go down, when Maverick Hansen uh, had to take on a role he wasn't, he's not fitted for, um, you saw there was a huge drop-off. And the, I think you raise a good point in talking about how opponents view your team. Like, that's just the reality. Like, you look at teams around the country, like, I fear – or I have a deep, deep fear of Ohio State's wide receivers. And it's like, yeah. okay, because I know that that's what's going to beat us most likely. It's going to be wide receivers. So when when you have a defensive line like Michigan State has nearly almost always had, and the way that they were able to revamp that kind of the depth there, um, it, it's very exciting. And I think it's it's going to be really the, the catapult to what this team's going to be because – Football, I, I say this all the time. Football is very simple. Like you run block, you pat, you protect the quarterback, you get after the quarterback and you stop the run. Like those four things, if you do those four things, the rest of your team could be just whatever. You're going to win a lot of football games. So I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a defensive tackle fiend. I, I love defensive tackles. Like Dominican Sue is my favorite player of all time. Like the way you get a DT that can kind of disrupt a game it takes your team to a new level. They're unblockable. Like there's nothing you can do. It's it, it changes the way that things work. There's a reason why Aaron Donald is like you ask, you ask football players and, and coaches, what is the one thing that you can't deal with? And it's an elite defensive tackle. It just like makes everything that you want to do not work. Um, and there's a reason why the best teams in the country are the ones that have ridiculous defensive tackles. Right. Like during Michigan State's runs where they were really good, the defensive tackles were stars. Malik McDowell, um, you have Thomas in there. You had Al Worthy, who is a, a day two NFL prospect. That's what we're talking about. Right. Raquan Williams and Mike Panashuk were elite college defensive tackles. Um, and that's that's where we're at. I think that, you know, we've talked about sort of like what are indications? What are some indications that things have gone well? Um, I think if we have 
four or more defensive tackles with at least 200 snaps this year, that will be an indication that something very good has happened. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, Sammy Jackson, like that's who I want. That's, that's what I want, but let's go to the edges because last year we had a big, big problem at edge such that we had to put a linebacker at defensive end, um, (laughs) which is not great. It's not what you want. (laughs) Um, but um, but I'm very excited about the edges this year. Um, do you know how to pronounce his name? Because I do not. I think it's Tunmai's Adelaide. I, I don't know. I, I probably Tun- got that wrong. T.A. We're going to call him T.A. Um, out, of, out of respect for me having no idea how to pronounce that name. Um, but T.A. is a transfer for from Texas A&M, top 50 in the country as a recruit. He was at Texas A&M for a year. Um, two years, um, has three years to play here. He is a 290 pound, six foot five monster of a defensive end who can play anywhere across the offensive line or across the defensive line and changes things. Um, he is the type of player who can make things happen with, even without him though, even without him, I'm very excited about the two, the two kids. Zion Young and Avery Dunn. Very excited about Zion Young. He played a ton last year and then didn't because um, some people can't. Uh, some people release what happens in in locker rooms and some people don't. Um, 2018. <laughs> hey, Michigan. Um, but just saying, um, if you know, you know. Um, but I think Zion Young is the type of player that and like, look, like the D'Antonio era is is long gone by now. But like. Zion Young is a D'Antonio defensive end where you're like, he was not a top 800 defensive end. Why does he look like the best defensive end in the Big Ten? Um, I'm very excited for him. And especially especially with the increased depth, um, I think that there's a lot to like there. I can, Yeah, and I think Avery Dunn was one of the – you look at last season, there wasn't a lot of positives, but he was one. And it's the fact that he kind of came out of nowhere. And he really made an impact. I mean, and that's a guy that he might not be the best player on the field, but you look at some of these, I, I love looking back to the D'Antonio era. You have like, you got like Marcus Rush, who's a little unheralded, but I mean, you look back and you could, you could put him on like the MVP tier of those teams. So, uh, I, I don't know if Avery Dunn, I don't know if Avery Dunn's there or he, he has that potential, but I think he's in the similar build where he can, he can be really, really productive. And obviously TA, like what you're able to do, he's a chess piece and. Um, I, I remember talking in spring and I, I guess like he was, he was struggling a little bit, kind of moving all over the defensive line. And I had, I, I talked to one of the offensive linemen and um, he, he unprompted said like, Hey, this guy's going to lead the team in sacks this year. He's like, I have no doubt about it. He's that, he's that good. So uh, it kind of goes to your point. Like, yeah, that's, he, he's a freak. And you look at Zion Young and another guy I'm, I'm really excited about is, uh, obviously you hear about by Joe, like that's, that's a guy. Sure. But one, one player that I think fans are forgetting about is Ken Talley. I, I'm interested to see what he can do. I mean, year two and, and, and Ken Talley, I think is, is forgotten by a lot of us because he wasn't a recruit of ours and he didn't come right. through the transfer portal in the normal way. And so it's like, we, we didn't get stoked about him as a transfer portal guy. We didn't get stoked about him as a recruit, but Oh, by the way, this is a four star defensive lineman. Um, who who is very very highly regarded if he's the fourth edge um if by job andrew DePape, like there's a ton of talent now again 
Mel Tucker, say what you want about him. He has brought in a significant amount of talent at the places where you need talent, um, which is edge, defensive tackle, um, and and uh, and quarterback. So, um, I I want to go to the to the other part of the defense that that is unmitigated happiness, and then we'll sort of end on the let's be optimistic about some things. Um, let's do it. Have to be. Um, <laughs> so. Hal Halliday, Jacoby Winman, Jordan Hall, Ma Geotete. Um, that's a good linebacker group. <laughs> like that's that's like you talk about talent. Cal Halliday had more um tackles over the last two years than anybody else at Michigan State. Jacoby Winman, what he had he was three time player of the week, defensive player of the week in the Big Ten, um, which has never happened before yep. at Michigan State. Um, maybe in the Big Ten, but definitely at Michigan State. Jordan Hall is being talked about like the only example, the only sort of comparison I have for the way that people talk about Jordan Hall is the way that they talk about Max Bola, where it's like he came in and it's like, oh, he's a captain already. Like he's just like, he's just that guy. Um, right. And I'm very, very like, I don't want to put too much pressure on Hall to begin with. Um, but I would not be shocked if he was starting at, at Mike linebacker a year from now and is a ca- as a three-year captain. Um, I would not be shocked about that at all. No, I, I agree. And it wouldn't, because it wouldn't even shock me if he's a captain at some point this season. It's just the fact that he's that highly thought of from the staff. Like anytime they have a recruit on campus, they really want to land. Jordan Hall is hosting them. I don't think it matters what position they are. They're like, yeah. all right, you're staying with Jordan Hall. Like you hear the guy talk and it's like, yeah, I love the Max Bullock comparison. And even you look at, I'm thinking of like, you have these guys come in the program for any sport and you heard it with Tum Tum. Like obviously Tum Tum is playing. I was just thinking Tum. Yeah. It didn't necessarily match up to like the hype of his leadership, but you, you saw that you still see the impact of Tum Tum's time here. And in terms of how he was able to lead, he was able to get guys on the same page and all that stuff. And I think that that that's a legacy that lasts longer than any playing career, but to get back to football, it's Jordan Hall is going to play a lot this year. And if he's any, if he's as good or near as good as the staff makes him out to be, it's, we're going to have an incredibly strong group. And listen, you pair that with, with the front set, like the defensive line, you have that front seven that could potentially be one of the better units in, in the conference. You're going to win a lot of football games doing that. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that like we talk about front seven because that's sort of how it works. But if this can be a front six, like if you can really stop the run with four defensive linemen and two inside linebackers, then it fixes the problem. And the problem, I'm not speaking out of turn here. I don't have anything against anybody. Our past defense under Mel Tucker has been between unacceptable and offensive. Um, It's just the way it is. And I don't think that Mel Tucker is a bad defensive backs coach. I don't think Harlan Barnett is a bad defensive backs coach. I think that something somewhere in Scotty Hazleton's defense does not work, did not work with the talent we had. I'm not blaming talent. I'm not blaming coaching. I don't know. The fact of the matter is, though, is that you cannot be the worst defensive backs, uh, the worst pass defense in the country for three years straight, four years straight. Um, but there's a lot of talent back there. And I'm I'm including, I'm including this name. And I want to talk about this name first. Um, and then we can talk about everybody else. But there is a a serious feeling, I think, in the in the building, and you know it better than I do, that. Last year doesn't happen if Darius Snow doesn't go down. Simply put, 
Like defensively, it does not go the same way if he stays healthy. Um, we haven't heard anything conclusive. I mean, do you know anything about Snow? Um, you know, is he coming back? Is what what's what's going on there? I don't. If I had to guess, I would say he comes back sometime in October. I just think it, it, it's really tough to. I mean, I, I don't even know when he was able to start training again. But yeah, I would I would lean towards. I, I do think he's going to play this year. It just. If he comes out and plays against Central Michigan, I would be stunned. <laughs> In a good way. Um, and it would, yeah. would be nice to get him back. But even if he doesn't come back immediately, and if he's, even if he's not firing on all cylinders, um, there's a lot of talent. Let's let's talk about the, the corners first. Um, it seems likely to me that your starting corners day one are going to be Charles Brantley and likely um, there's also, there's also Caleb Coley. There's Ade Willie was getting a lot of good notes uh, after the first scrimmage. Um, but I think that if you go Brantley, Tim, that's two four-star, four-star cornerbacks. Um, Chance Rucker, also a true freshman is getting a lot of nice praise. Um, if those are your corners day one, That means you're going, you're going junior soft of football at Michigan State. Um, I don't hate that, but they need to step up. You know, we talk about standards. This is, this is Michigan State. Our cornerbacks are supposed to be good. Yeah. I mean, we were called the no fly zone for half a decade there. And I agree. And it's the fact that I, you have young guys that are ready to step up, which is exciting. And that's, you want to look towards the future. And I, I think if in defensive line, it's going to be pretty young. The linebacker room, somewhat young, but it seems to be a trend where okay, we're going to start getting these uh, Coach Tucker guys in here, and it's I- I'm excited. I-, I think they're going. To, I think the secondary is going to be not elite, but I think they're going to be very solid. Um, so I'm actually very excited about the safeties, um, which is weird because starting true soft two true sophomore safeties is like not usually a good thing, but Spencer and Malik Spencer and Jaron Mangum's younger brother, Jaden Mangum. Um, I think they played well last year in limited spots. We don't, I think, I think the jury's a, li- a little bit out on, on both of them, but losing Kendall Brooks and Xavier Henderson, um, Xavier Henderson, I, you know, you can't underplay how, how big of a loss Xavier Henderson is, but he was out for a lot of the year, which means that we had Spencer and Mangum playing a ton. Um, so, it's not like they're stepping into this for the first time, which I think is, is, is a really big positive. Absolutely. I completely agree there. Um, I'm, I'm, we have one more position and are in his, in his career. Um, what are you hearing about the, the nickel position? How do you feel about it? Um, you know, I haven't heard much. It's to me, it's probably going to end up being, uh, Kimbrough or gross. And listen, both of those guys have, They've underperformed under Coach Tucker, and um, I, <laughs> it, it's time to like either you, you got to perform or you got to get off the team. It's, it's like I know like that sounds harsh, but at the same point, like I mean, we're going into year three of Kimbrough, year four of Gross. It's like I, you got to see something. Like if you're going to have the young guys next to them step up, like hey, we got to get something else there. It's time to time to go. So. Um, very quickly, uh, Jonathan Kim, likely kicker. That has to be better. Punter, um, is not going to be better. It's going to be much worse. Bryce Berenger, we, we will miss you forever. 
Um, so friend of the pod, Carter, Carter Landis, uh, asks us, um, what is your bold, is there a bold prediction you have for Michigan State, either player stat, team stat, record, win? What, what, what do you think? My bold prediction is that if Caden Hauser is the starter for the most of the, for most of the year, I, listen, it could be no Kim week one, but if Caden Hauser starts a majority of the football games, we will win nine games. We will go two and two in the big four of Washington, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. And that will put us in prime position to be a playoff team next season. And if not, if Kate Hauser is not the starter, I I think that you, you're potentially going to be looking at offensive coordinator change and um, a lot of uncertainty heading into 2024. I, I, uh, that's that's not that that that's bold, but not reckless. Um, as, yeah. I'll put that. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna be a little uh more focused in mine. Uh, Montori Foster, 850 yards, seven touchdowns, and one that gets replayed on Instagram like on loop. Because so much you can find Brett uh on uh Twitter, the site formerly known as Twitter uh at, at Obre- Odell Bradham Jr. Um. I know that you uh, have some initiatives going on with Spartan Strong. Is there anything you want to say specifically? No, I'm just uh, kind of my goal this season is like any ad revenue, it's going to go to Spartan Strong. And uh, after each game, I'm going to take a, a kind of a key here from Chris Castellani, where he he kind of uh, linked different charities that we can help with. So if you have any or if, if anybody has suggestions of charities that we can kind of get out to Spartan Nation to help out with, and it could even be scholarship funds, whatever. Um, that, that's kind of the goal here. Just I, I think last year and the past couple of months put a lot of things into perspective, and um, I, Spartan Nation stepped up in a huge way in the wake of the shooting. So uh, I think we can kind of continue to do that, but with uh, not needing a mass tragedy to do so. I think I think that's great. Um, so please, like uh... – Dear listeners, pay close attention to uh, to Brett's Twitter or uh, X um, for for those charities <laughs> after games. Um, and uh, and Brett, we really appreciate you uh, you coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, you can find us at TLSTDS. Um, we're on Twitter. We're on Blue Sky. We are on Threads, but I'm never there. Um, thank you to our sponsors, Workforce Management Group, whoever Blue Air sides put in, Bird Dogs. Uh, please like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your local Michigan State fan. We're a home for Spartan sports. Um, and obviously, dear listener, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thank you so much. And we will see you. Podcast Network.